Welcome to the Propreneur Podcast, where we help practice owners become better entrepreneurs. I'm your host, Dino Watt. And welcome once again, everybody, to the Propreneur Podcast. I'm your host, Dino Watt, and I'm excited to have you here again as we learn the best practices from our experts and our professionals. And today is an expert day, and we definitely have an expert on as a guest today. I'm excited to introduce him to you and to uh, to really pick his brain, because I got to tell you, through our conversations we've had and through thumbing through his book, which we're going to be talking about, it's kind of like, wow, this guy's reading my brain. This guy's reading my brain. So I'm excited to have him here. But as always, before we get onto that, I just like everybody and encourage everybody, if you are listening to this podcast for the first time, welcome and thank you for tuning in. If this is not your first time and you've heard us before and you get some sort of value out of it, something you can take to your practice or to your home, please remember to share this podcast with your friends, colleagues, and family members and subscribe because we love seeing our numbers go up every single uh, month with our subscriptions and our downloads, and you're a part of that. So we thank you for that. That being said, let's introduce our guest for today. Our guest is Bob Spiel. Bob, welcome to the show. Great to be here, Dino. Thank you. Excited to have you. We met at a speaker's event recently uh, in January, and uh, we happened to be sitting next to each other. And as we start talking, I'm like, oh, wow, like, same mindset, totally get this, love it. But I love that you actually take this idea to another level, which is our topic today, which is how to hire an associate dentist that translates into a dental practice partnership. And that is a hot topic because I know so many guys are out there thinking, how am I gonna hire an associate? I personally, and I know you have seen way more than I have, but I've seen partnerships that have ended badly because they did not have the right things in place. They did not have the right mindset and it was a disaster. So I'm excited to talk to you. Before we get into all that though, please introduce yourself to everybody. Tell us who you are, how you got into this crazy world and uh, yeah. Thanks Dino. Well, Bob Spiel, how I got into it. I mean, dentistry, you either have two doors. One is you find it or it finds you. (laughs) And frankly, it it found me, okay? Mm -hmm. I was actually consulting in medicine I've been in healthcare for over 20 years and was a hospital and surgical center CEO. Oh, wow. Then transitioned into medical consulting and found that, you know, the medical model, frankly, is just broken. Uh, And I luckily had a friend of mine who was a dental consultant, a guy out of Boise, Idaho named Larry Winterstein, who invited me to go on a consult with him. And I thought, oh, come on, dentistry? I mean, it's like 15% of total healthcare GDP. What's the big deal about it? But I had the time and, and I liked Larry. And in two days, Dino, I fell in love with it. Yeah. Just fell in love with it. And I, I thank my lucky stars every day that I am in this instead of in medicine. A long time ago, somebody taught me, choose the problems you want to solve because yep. we're going to be with you your whole, whole professional career. And I love the problems you get to solve in dentistry. So give me an example of what was the thing that was the aha that made you fall in love with it? Well, team building and leadership are my passions. Mm. And prior to getting to healthcare, I actually had a chance to build some really high performance cultures and, and, and top level teams in working for two uh, Fortune 500 companies. And medicine, teamwork, leadership, systems, culture should matter, but they don't. In dentistry, not only does it matter, but really inspired dental practice owners know that the more that you can pay attention to those elements, they actually make you successful. 
they make you money, they drain stress, and they cause you to be remarkable. It's interesting. My perception of that when you were saying that is that, yeah, I could see where in the medical world, those ideas of true leadership, true, true teamwork and team building, they're, they're far removed from what the actual reality is. And I don't know if it's, and you would have definitely more insight on this, but to me, it, it, it seems to be because of the, the corporate side of things, because mm-hmm. of the insurance side of things, because of just the way that our healthcare system is in general, that it doesn't really lead to the ability to do that. And, and it doesn't. And even before then, though, there was this natural enmity that took place between administration, nurses, and doctors. Oh, right. So it, it was a really lousy culture to begin with. And then you overlay on top of that insurance mm-hmm. and then HCA and then all these other things coming to it. And, you know, it's no wonder I read now about doctors that are just totally stressed out, feeling like they have to diagnose all these different tests just to be able to, as a hospitalist, keep the hospital going. So dentistry to me was like coming home because seeing these principles do exactly what I saw in, in, in private industry. And that is to, to help doctors do more in less time with less stress. Well, I'm assuming that has a lot to do with the fact that they have uh, usually a bit more control, right? Because they're running their own small business. They're being entrepreneurs Mm -hmm. and they understand that without that, their success rate is is much smaller, it's diminished because they, yeah. they're not taking control of that. And I would actually, I, I this might actually be skipping way ahead, but I immediately go into my mind of, there's a lot more uh, corporation uh, influx happening in the dental world. Yes, there is. Do you, is that a concern of yours? Do you see? Huge, huge concern absolute huge concern because I worked for corporations. I worked in corporate healthcare. Yeah. I understand. It was just like a conversation I had today with a, a CPA that I work with for some oral surgery clients of mine talking about these um, private equity groups that are coming in. The and DSOs offering, and all that. Yeah. You know, offering them this is 10 times multiple number, but then for the rest of their career, they're locked in at 30% of collections. Right. And it's like, why would you give up all control for a paycheck right now, your life is going to suck, frankly. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's what the doctors did when the HCA thing started 10 years ago. They all became hospitalists because they realized I've got it to survive. I have to join a hospital group or I'm going to be squashed. Well, I understand that dynamic. I used to be a professor of healthcare administration up at BYUI, and, and I, I know those dynamics. But why on earth would a dental provider jump into bed pardon the expression, with a corporation. Yeah. With a venture capital group or a private equity group that has one goal, Dino, and one goal only. And it's not to see that that doctor loves what they do. Frankly, they couldn't care less about that doctor. All right? They want to make money. And so that's going to obviously overshadow, and I'm just going with the, the same mindset, the, the following down the mindset path here, that's going to overshadow the actual care, the actual yeah. leadership, that team building. Mm-hmm. Well, but it, 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 it's, it's, it's taking dentistry and flipping it into medicine. Yeah. Which if, if we allow that to happen to the industry, frankly, we will have lost one of the greatest parts of the healthcare delivery system. 
and here's the problem. We'll never get the genie back in the bottle. Mm. Okay. It, 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 once that's gone, just like medicine, I, I understand that you can have a little bit of a, a concierge type medicine practice, but there aren't that many people that can afford it. Mm. In dentistry, if we allow that to happen, we will have done it to ourselves. So, so that's why I'm so passionate about the subject is that you've got so many doctors out there that are, you know, in their fifties, in their sixties, thinking, how do I transition my practice? Right. Or in their forties that are growing and thinking, what do I do? Do I take this easy money or do I actually go the other route and add other doctors to my practice and turn it into a win-win? Well, and are you also seeing uh, you got the younger guys coming out of school who are filled with debt, yes. who are going, well, looks like my only option is to go and work for that corporation and oh. sign that 10-year contract or whatever. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And, and yet the, the, the irony of that is it's just like these oral surgeons, you know, sign that money, you've lost control. And you can make a living working for somebody else, but you and I both know you only make a life working for yourself. Yeah. Wow. I, I You know what? I actually haven't even thought about that before, that really, if you go down the rabbit hole of it, and, and I've had, I mean, I just interviewed I, 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 two guys who are build, starting their own DSO. They're doctors. They have yeah. their own practices, very successful. They're starting their own DSO. But when you go down that rabbit hole, you really are taking away the entrepreneurship side of owning your business, which, you know, for some guys, they're not entrepreneurs and they, they shouldn't have been in this game and they, they didn't teach them what the game was going to be back in school, but you're taking away the opportunity for them to do it on their own because now they're coming into corporate. And sure. I don't think, I mean, I've had conversations with a lot of these guys. I don't, I don't think that they're really thinking along those lines, like, oh, it'll turn out like medical because obviously the DSOs or the corporations are making it sound so wonderful because you're taking away the business side of stuff and all you gotta do is practice. Right. What's the danger there that you see besides just the fact that it's, uh, that it's going to go down that rabbit hole? I mean, I, I guess not the danger. How, how long do you see or project for that to be the culmination of what's gonna happen? Un unless, we can start to, to spread more of this knowledge out and give private practice dentists the ability to actually replicate themselves as well as grow into groups. Don't get me wrong. I think the group model has a lot of value. And I, and I do believe that combining forces to have two, three, four, five doctors in a group can really be a great thing for everybody. But two thoughts. One was, I remember, Edwards Deming, who was the father of, of quality, and, and there's a whole story I could tell you about him, but I'll always remember a comment that he made. If you put a good man against a bad system, the system wins every time. Mm. Okay. And, and the way I put it is you get what you reward. All right. And if your reward systems are total in alignment for one thing, which is money, then everything else becomes secondary to it. My belief is that if you do the right things consistently, the money finds you. Yeah, that's true. hundred percent. Yeah. I, I think it's interesting that um, you can put that same quote around inside your practice, right? If you don't have the right systems inside your practice, if you don't have the right leadership, the focus right. on team, the core values, the vision, 
that you can have really, really great people who want to do good work, but they're going to get corrupted by the lack of your direction, the lack of your vision. Exactly. And they'll and, either get corrupted or they'll leave. Yeah. Yeah. One or the other. Yeah. Um, and usually they leave. The, the A-level employees won't put up with that and they'll just jump. Yeah. I have that quote at the beginning of my last book that uh, says, um, the, the quickest, the fastest way to ruin a great employee is to watch, is, is watch you, sorry, the fastest way to ruin a great employee is to f- watch you tolerate a bad one. Exactly. And yep. uh, yeah, that's, and that could go with systems too. The fastest way to ruin yeah, a great employee is to can. have them uh, see that you have got no system, you're, no direction. Mm-hmm. It's interesting. I actually bring it all the way back to, uh, I have this theory around men and women. Of course, I started my career in the relationship space and uh, that women need two main drivers to motivate them and men do too. There are two main drivers for both of us, but for women, especially because that is what is primarily yeah, the most dominant in, yeah, mm-hmm. inside of the practices as your mm-hmm. team members. The first one is security and they need security both emotionally, physically, financially, uh, physically, and spiritually. And if they don't feel those from you or one of those from you, they'll seek it elsewhere. And so if you're not a great leader and you mm-hmm. are not having those, that vision and the core values and you're not moving it forward, they're going to leave you or they just don't trust you because right. they don't have that. Um, okay, so here we are, not even 10 minutes in this conversation, and we probably ticked off a few people listening to the call who are going like, but I've got this DSO, but I'm going into this, I partnership. And I, and I totally get it. Like, I, I understand because- and, and, You know what, Dino? I am just fine ticking them all off. Me too. Okay, I am. <laughs> right. and, and if they want to get mad, let them get mad. But if you, you have to align reward systems. Yeah. Right? And I've, and I've seen some, a, a handful of good ones, all right, but they weren't in business to make money. They were literally in business to take mm. care of people knowing that the money would come. What a really cool, kind of like, look, if you are getting mad on uh, right here, if you're a DSO owner, if you're thinking about going corporate, I, I think that's the key right there, right? Is going, okay, you can have, have what you want out of it if you're focused on the right stuff, if you're focused on knowing that you do great care, great quality care, you become, you become the apple of your industry. Or the, or by, the, or the Chick-fil-A. Yes. Or the Chick-fil-A. You can. By being the great quality mm-hmm. and knowing the money's gonna come. Exactly. But that, that's a very specific set of decisions though. Yeah, yeah, no right. doubt. Yeah. No doubt, very interesting. And that means that you personally as a leader, before you jump into this, whatever you're going to jump into, if you do decide to go the corporate route, you've got to look at your own core values and your own vision and make sure it's in alignment with it. Not just a lot of, you know, not just the money side of it. Not just yeah. like I'm, t- I'm tired of this. Everybody gets tired in their business at, at one point mm-hmm. or another. That's not a reason to throw your hands up and go, well, let's just do this instead. Right. So fascinating. And it's definitely a problem uh, that everyone's going to be facing. It seems like this whole conversation has built up a lot of momentum over the last five, six years. Oh, it has. And friends of mine like Dr. Charles Blair down in in Georgia would say that within 10 years, 70% of practices are going to be DSOs. Oh, yeah. I've heard that for sure. And, and, And when I hear that, I shudder. Yeah. Because again, we won't put the genie back in the bottle. 
Well, and your care, it does, it, it will provide an opportunity for those Chick-fil-A's to rise, mm -hmm. but the, the, the level of care that takes place in America for people's oral health is really going to plummet. Well, you're coming from a place that I, that I haven't spoken to anybody else who can speak to that, right? Of you were already in the midst of that in the medical side of things. Yeah. You taught it, you're a CEO, you like the credibility factor of you sitting here waving the warning flag saying, I've already been down this road, guys. I promise you, no matter what they're telling you, it's going to turn out the specific way because it can't not. It has to be down that way. Wow. That's so, okay. Holy moly. This is great. Okay. So. Well, and, and, and if they, if they want one, one last slot, then let's talk about transitions. Yeah. Yeah. If, if they want any evidence, have them talk to any medical doctor they know. Yeah. And ask them, are you happy you made the decision you made? And you know what? 90% of them are going to say, I should have been a dentist. Really? How that kind of makes me think, how do we, how long, like, do you know the longest, I, I, I can't answer this question myself. I'm trying to think of the, the docs that I know that are the longest in some sort of DSO or corporate environment, uh, not docs, the, the docs, the dentist. Yes, yeah. It'd be interesting to ask them that too. Mm -hmm. right? The ones that have been in it for 10 plus years. Like, hey, if they could go back. And that hard part is I think the money has doubled, if not tripled, in the enticement of it oh, nowadays. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So the guy that did it 10 years ago, who might not be happy about it, is looking at, yeah, you're making, you know, three times what I got out of this deal. Um, and and that might actually be one of the warning signs too, is look at it going like, look, if, if they got to bring in that much money to entice you, then maybe that's not the main focus you should be looking at. Yeah. I do this little piece in my uh, speeches. Typically when I'm on stage during a keynote is I will uh, say to everybody else, you know, what? I'm going to give you three secrets to the human brain right now. Now everybody, you're going to want to write this down. So write this down. Uh, the first secret is there are no secrets to the human brain. The second secret is if you tell people to pick up a pen and write something down, they'll do it. Now by this time, everybody's doing it right. And yeah. half of the crowd still isn't catching on. And I say, the third secret is there are no secrets. We're all just a bunch of trained monkeys that will do what the person in front of the class tells them to do. And everyone starts laughing and realizing they get it. But that's what we do all the time. Yeah, so. We do. We do. Okay. We, we so could let's seriously. talk about how do we yeah. get out of this box. <laughs> this, this, okay. is, this is a two-hour conversation we could it have. It is, man. Uh, yeah, let's talk about how to get out do. of this box. So let's talk about hiring that associate that helps you transition and let's get out of this. So yeah. what is the key to that? Because it is something that so many people struggle with the decision-making. Am I going to make, am I, how, how much, how long am I going to marry this person? Right. Is it going to be a good marriage? Okay. And, and, and I'm going to give you one word. Yeah. Clarity. Mm. All right. With the right form of clarity, you can make the right decision. You can find the right person. You can create the right type of partnership and maintain that partnership for years. Now, I was shocked when I heard from my good friend, Linda Miles, some nine years or so ago that the failure rate of associateships in dentistry is over 70%. Oh, I'm not surprised. All right. And, and, and the failure rate of partnerships is 
5%. Associateships within a year, partnerships within five. Wow. All right. And that just made me hit, my jaw hit the floor because I'm thinking if we had 70% of our implants fail, right, we'd do something about it. Yeah. The costs behind this are unknown and unknowable, but they're enormous. In fact, it's, it's, it's almost macabre, but when I tell a doctor the statistic who eventually becomes a client who's been in this game for a while, they'll say, you know what? I think that 70% number is low. Yeah. And there's kind of this little chuckle behind it. Like, man, I've been burned so many times. I don't want to go there again. And so when I say clarity, it really is found in one thing, and that is creating the avatar. Yes. Ideal person. And when you say that, I'm going to guess, because I think we think a lot in the same lines, that you're not talking about, like, in your head, what would be nice? This would be a really cool thing. No, like, literally writing it down. Literally writing it down. Yes. Having a very clear model. And then one thing that I learned at Ford Motor Company when I got out of business school was divide those criteria into two sections, givens and wants. Mm. The givens are absolutes. And they usually can only be about a third of the total number of criteria, but they're, they're the strikeout punches. If they don't meet this criteria, and by the way, you do this before you ever talk to anybody. Yes. All right. Otherwise- you first start thinking about getting one. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Your judgment becomes clouded. Yep. Or you bring somebody else in to help massage that so they can snap you back to reality first. But with that clarity of here's the ideal candidate and that ideal candidate then what I do when I work with clients on this is we survey the practice, we survey the team, we survey the doctors, and we come up with a, 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 cap, a, a, a encapsulation of the culture and the leadership. Because every practice is different, and your criteria over here is going to be different than another practice down the street. Yep. Right? Yep. But, but you arrive at that, but then through the entire process, and I use that term decidedly. This isn't a project. This is a process. Process, right. Through interviewing, surveying, seeking, you know, headhunting, all the way down the road, you keep coming back to the very same set of criteria. They become your measuring stick. Well, and in that- the end, that's then what establishes the right set of candidates. You then present them to the team and the doctor. The team doesn't have a veto decision on it but they do need to have a say because they're going to be part of the success of this individual. You then train them on the rules of the road, how we communicate, how we schedule, what the expectations are, um, set up a win-win contract. And I think part of that is that you have a guarantee for a certain period of time, then you have a a percentage after that. So there's an eat what you shoot model. If you're going for partnership, you then also use a, an escrow account for a certain percentage after six months or 12 months. That can then get kicked into to help as a part of their down payment, but it gives the selling doctor a hook as well. But once all this is done, then the last piece of clarity that I found is key is to keep a third party like you or me engaged in this relationship for 18 months. Mm. All right. So literally what we're doing is that we're creating the profile in match.com. Yeah. We're then finding the candidates in match.com. 
Yep. We're interviewing them for them. We keep coming back to what the criteria is. We create the dating, then the courting, then the engagement, then the marriage, and then we are marriage counselors after that. Yeah. And, and Dino, as opposed to the 70% failure rate, it's a 90% success rate. And it makes sense that it would be. And here's, so as you're, as funny, you mentioned the matchbox.com uh, thing. Cause when I was uh, writing that, when you were talking, I wrote down a question here about it is like creating that, uh, this kind of the silly joke or the Hallmark channel thing of like, okay, write your list of the perfect man or exactly. the perfect mate. But that's exactly what you have to do. You have to be willing to say, this is what I know it's going to be, like you said, the givens and the wants, but also really being decisive on what you want mm -hmm. and being willing to not give into almost being selfish. Yes. Like it's okay. I want you to be selfish. I want you to be like, no, this is the person I want because then when you do that and your head hunter brings you somebody who, you know, it's 60% there and they're trying to talk you into it because they just want to get this over and done with and they want to get their money out of the contract. Commission, That's right. They want that you know, money out of the contract. Heading back to alignment of reward systems. Yep. Okay. Yeah. Yep. And then that way you can say no and being picky. Look, when I go to a restaurant and I order my food, I hate tomatoes. I can't stand tomatoes. And if they bring me that salad with tomatoes, even though I said I don't want tomatoes, I'm not going to pick around the tomatoes. I'm going to send it back because that's what I said I wanted. Why would that not be the same with almost everything else we do, especially in our business? Especially with something as important as this. So important. Because this is the foundation. Yep. This is the absolute foundation of a practice. And that's why when it's done wrong, it is so painful and so traumatic. But if it's done right, it allows that doctor to, and both of them really to experience practice at a whole new level and experience a lot of joy together. It's yes. exciting when you see it work. And I've seen it work so many times using this process-oriented approach. So these... Um there's a problem here, right? It, it, it almost sounds, even though it's not, it sounds too simple. It sounds like it's one of those things like, ah, oh, come on. It's more work for me to do. I don't have to do it. It's again, and this is, I think, a big problem with the leaders in their offices anyway, is yeah. the idea of like, dude, can I just get somebody, like the relegation, can I just get somebody else to do it for me? It's one more thing I don't want to have to deal with. But right. if they would spend the week really discerning and figuring out what exactly they want, it's going to, that weak headache, if they call it even, it's going to save them huge amounts later on when they're dealing with the bad marriage. Exactly. When they're trying to fit that round peg into a square hole, mm -hmm. but all those things. And this is so vitally important. So we have clarity, clarity mm -hmm. of exactly what you want. Is it, what's the next step? Clarity, process, hire with your head not your heart. So important. Hiring yeah. with your head. How many people hire do hire with heart? And that's where you keep coming back to those, to that avatar. Yep. Being and selfish. And your heart's going to confirm it, but you've got to keep your head in there 95% of the time or else you're going to make a bad call. You're literally creating that order for the head hunter or for whoever you are using yeah. to find that person saying, this is what I want. Go find them. Mm -hmm. You're making their job easier. You're making your job easier. You're making your team's life easier after the fact because it's not as crazy as a transition. 
it's it's so important and yet so many people don't do it so one of the things that i noticed is uh in your book flip your uh, flip your focus uh which everybody should go check out um one of the areas that you focus on that I, what did I mark here? I marked here, I marked three, three chapters in, in particular. There's a lot of good chapters here. The three that I marked in particular were they delegate almost everything. Mm-hmm. I love that because it was almost everything. Cause I know there's a lot of doctors like, Oh, delegate. Okay. I'm not going to do anything anymore. I just want to sit back and do whatever. Right. Or they take on everything. Right. Um, uh, the second one was what keeps the magic going, the appreciation and recognition side of things. Now, we're not going to talk about all these things, but these are the things that spoke out to me because as we know, people leave your company, uh, the, the people have, that have been surveyed over and over and over again, so many surveys have said that people, the number one reason people leave their companies are not feeling appreciated, exactly. uh, not money. And then the last thing was culture by design, which is a phrase I use all the time, building something that truly is sustainable. So let's go to delegate real fast though, because you say delegate almost everything, but vision, direction, and pace. Can you talk a little bit about that, especially as you're bringing on an associate? Because it's easy to say, hey, I'm going to go on an associate and I'm going to bring them in so they can do more work for me. And I have had this situation. I have two doctors that were partners together. And the reason why I broke up was because one went, dude, I've been doing this for 25 years. Your turn. And the other one's going, well, but I need help with this and or I'm going to take it all over and the other doctor's like well I don't want you to do it this way and he goes well if you're going to make me take it all over then why are you picking like you could see this back and forth right you I'm sure you've been in that scenario before so let's talk about that delegation of everything almost everything what it means in this situation is that you start small you clarify again clarity this is what your next six months is going to look like this is how we're going to get you busy all right, you can't throw them in the water and say, how do you swim? What I found- Figure it out, right. You know, is, you know our generation had this kind of, of, of bad environment where we got thrown in the water mm-hmm. and, and okay, let's see if you can swim. Today, sure, sure. with these millennial candidates in particular, folks, it doesn't work. In fact, exactly. you're gonna drown. But if you make it really bite-sized to start with, and, and I actually teach my practices about this just for hiring anybody. I call it the bullseye training method and with an associate, it's a great example of eventually, yes, there will be a lot that you delegate to this individual, but to start with, you start small. These are the first three things I want you to master. And we're going to have dialogue between the two of us to see how you're doing so and also between the the assistant team. Once you have those mastered, then we go to the next ring and then we go to the next ring after that. If you can set them up for success in a manageable, understandable fluid way they then rise to the occasion and they do amazing things so you're giving them the bite-sized step by step the uh, you know it goes all the way back of course it pops in my head of the how do you eat an elephant one bite at a time right and so that's step by step but you mentioned something too that i think is great is it give them the path of what you expect from them and where we want you to go if you give people the first of all, the understanding of this is what's going to happen. This is what I expect to happen. We're going to get here. I, I used to do this back with my uh, marriage clients. <laughs> I would sit there and I would, when we'd start, I'd say, look, promise you six weeks into this, you're going to hate me. You're going to be mad at me. You're going to think I'm a total loser. You're going to be mad because I'm making you do stuff you have never done before or whatever. But when we get to that point, I'm going to say, remember when I told you you're going to be here? 
And mm -hmm. that way we have clarity and it happened almost every time. And it was a great conversation because if you as a practice owner are saying, okay, new associate or new partner, this is where we're going to go. This is probably what's going to happen in the next six to eight months, but that's okay. We're going to get through that. And when we do hit that roadblock, this is how we're going to handle it because ultimately I want you to be able to do this. Mm -hmm. What a great, I mean, what a great relationship builder that is. And like you said, with even teammates to do that that way. Yeah. So powerful. Okay. So delegating everything, almost everything. What do you say about this? Because I love the first thing you say, uh, delegate everything except your vision. But here's the deal, not, not but, and when you talk about clarity, I think most people, from what I found anyway, don't have clarity on exactly what that vision is. And so it's hard for them to translate that clarity to their new associate. Who that new associate then, if they had the clarity, gets the option of either buying in or not buying in at all. And so how do you overcome that if they haven't got their vision down, how can they even get clarity for who they want in their practice? And that's where I've just got to get, put a plug in for guys like you and me. Hmm. But I, I found that it's easiest if you have somebody help facilitate that process for you as yeah. opposed to getting stuck in it yourself and then you get into the weeds you know one of the the, the great privileges of my career in dentistry so far as i i'm one of the two non-clinical faculty members for dr gordon christensen mm, that's awesome yeah and so we do a 12-hour course on leadership and management every fall and a third of that is all about vision wow all right so important yeah it's so important because if you don't have alignment with your intent and your why your how and your what don't matter. Yep. Yep. hundred percent true. If you don't know what the flag on the top of the mountain is, how do you know you're going to get there? Exactly. Like you're, you're, you're wondering, I, I use Moses as an example often, right? Like, like he knew, like we're going to promised land folks. And that's what he kept talking about over and over again. He didn't change it up. He didn't decide 20 years in, right. That, Oh, we're going to change this up to make people happy. Right. This is where we're going. Trust mm -hmm. me. I, I, I I'm going to get you there. And as a leader, you have to have that. It's, and, and I talk about walking over the dollars to get to the dimes all the time, right? Because people, right. especially high, high achievers, high performers, yeah. Yeah. dentists, orthodontists, like you are, you can figure this out. You've gone through your whole life being able to just like put your nose to the grindstone and it will figure itself out. And that's not healthy, number one. And it's not going to get anybody on your team to mm -hmm. grow to that space. So. Mm -hmm. So and, important. And it's critical to know where, but it's also critical to know why. Yes. Because there's difficulty in getting to the where. That's yep. a given. If your why itself is, is really crystal clear, you've got then the firepower to be able to push through the difficult times. But if your why is fuzzy or have never defined, when the difficult times come, then you start to divert and you start to chase dollars and, and instead of really chasing opportunities. So if not having clarity for what type of person you want to bring in that avatar mm -hmm. is the first mistake. The second mistake is not having clarity about where you're going and why. And then the third would be not being able to do it correctly. I mean, okay. honestly, Let's you, explain you, that. They, they, they keep going back to their heart. Yes. Instead of using their head. And this has to be a totally objective decision. Okay. 
And it's I, very and interesting. I, I candidly say, I think the fourth mistake is not to have somebody acting as a marriage counselor in this relationship. Yeah, totally. A given is that there is going to be a point where they look at each other and say, now, time out. Why did we do this? Because something's going to happen, like an associate that I helped bring into a practice in New Mexico. A couple of little things happened. And as, as you know, doctors will do, they, they're scientists, they love precision, they can get fixated on detail, and that little thing can turn into a big thing. Sure. All of a sudden they wonder, well, is this guy a fit? Instead of, luckily, we were engaged in this, and so he was able to give me a call, and we worked it out. It was beautiful and everything was fine. And, and, you know, within three months, this associate in a GP practice is producing a hundred thousand a month. That's amazing. Okay. And he fits like a glove. Let me throw this out there too. This is a, and it's particularly interesting. It just popped in my head as you're talking about this. I, I would bet that in the, in the medical world, you don't run up into this as much as you in the dental and ortho space is, um, these docs that are coming in as associates and the docs who are actually finding an associate, they have other outside influences that we should probably be aware of because a spouse mm -hmm. is a big influence on. So if something like that, even though there's clarity with the doc, clarity with the associate and the spouse presumes that something's not right or presumes that it's not fair or wants something that is not in the uh, agreement between right. the two of you, that can throw in a whole wrench into that process. So having that third party, not the spouse, but somebody on the outside yeah. to say, well, let's get back to what we are, our focus was and what the vision of, that, that influence can be very crucial. So knowing what those influences are is important. Yeah, in fact, I would say that it's a given. If you, want this, if you want this partnership to succeed, if you want this budding associateship to actually have a chance to live, you've got to have a third party engaged. Yeah. Act almost like an outside board of director. Yes. Okay. And yep. it's got to be the right person. It could be a CPA, um, could be a consultant. All right. But it has to be somebody who can, understands the nature of relationships, understands your goals and your vision and is happy to be the heavy if they need to be, but also can help facilitate some of those hurt feelings and misunderstandings and get everybody back on the same page. So important. Wow, geez. Again, we could talk about this for another hour. Yes, we could. And <laughs> oh I know my gosh. time, but this yeah, is awesome. We've gotten to our time of the show though, where we actually ask, uh, first of all, before we even get to that, I just wanna say thank you. And we'll, I think we're gonna have to do a follow-up on this because wanna, it. It, you, know, you know how passionate I am. I, I just think it is, I, I, one of my, I think one of my biggest challenges is that I find there's a lot of lip service to things like culture and vision and mm -hmm. core values. And people are like, yeah, 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 we know it. As a matter of fact, I've kind of been making a little bit of a joke about it in some of my speeches lately where I, I say, you know, it's kind of like that old Span, uh, Spaniard philosopher who used to say, Inigo Montoya, right? You keep saying that word. I do not think right. it means what you think it means because it's just, out there, but no one's saying, but this is how you create it. This is how you design it. This is what you have to do. So I love that you're talking about this. I, I, I it's just such an alignment with everything that I'm trying to do in my world with my docs. And I love promoting this as well, because it all ships rise with the tide, right? I, I want everyone to have this mindset 
And uh, anyways, it's great. So we've come to a place in our show where I ask my six rapid fire questions. I'm ready. And, and you ready to play? Awesome. I'm ready. Yes, Very cool. All right. What do you feel is the most expensive thing that private practice owners are missing in their practice? CE. The right CE. The right CE. Not equipment. CE. Yeah. Too many have this, this bright, shiny object fascination, and then it gets parked on the shelf. But you've got to continue to push your clinical boundaries. Mm. All right. They come out of school and they go through the first part of private practice, assuming that they were given the answers. They've got to have somebody teach them how to ask the right questions. We could go on a total yes, tangent we- about this, about where do you think CE is failing practice owners right now? Oh, easy. The internet. Absolutely. Oh. Okay. But in what way? You've got to be able to be hands-on in an experiential environment because knowledge isn't enough. I think it was Plato who said that emotion is a seat of learning. Hmm. All right. And, and too many of the young doctors and even some of the older doctors believe that I can get everything I need online. And that's a false paradigm. Having they somebody actually find mentors and experiences, not only hands on, but highly visual and very experiential and very safe. So they can actually make mistakes too. The problem with online learning is, man, this was done perfect. Obviously it's just like the Instagram account that you follow. Right. Sure. Everything looks great. And you wonder, well, why do I suck at this? Yeah. It's, well, one of the, it's one of the reasons why we, we interview professionals on this show is because I'm like, I want to talk to the people who are actually getting their hands dirty exactly. yes. and having to implement this stuff. Mm-hmm. So CE, that's my first answer. Interesting. Okay, great. All right. What is a book that every private practice owner should read besides Flip Your Focus? I flip Your Focus, which is my book. That's right. And everybody should go right on. It's on Amazon right now. Everybody should go grab it. It's a great read. It's, a, it's an easy read, but powerful read. Thank you. I appreciate that. Probably one of the best books that I've read in dentistry is an older book, but it's still solid. And it's called Great Communication Equals Great Production by Kathy Jamison. Oh, nice. All right. Okay. That's a good friend of mine. And there's so much, as you know, in dentistry that has to do with communication. 100%. You can be the best clinician around. You can have a great team. You can have amazing systems. But communication either supports your systems or destroys them. And the opposite is true. You could be the worst clinician and you could be and not exactly. have great outcomes. But if you yeah. are a great communicator. Yes, you're going to succeed. I always love looking at because people, uh, you know, I think in, in our businesses, we always go like to the apples or the whatever. And like with culture, I point out things like McDonald's and uh, Hitler. I'm like, look, it works. Yeah. It's just you working it is the problem. And if you can have a bad product or a bad philosophy, but you got everything else you need, you can create it. And uh, yeah, so totally agree. So we will put that as a link or a link to that book on our show notes for sure. That's really important. Let me send it to you. You can find it on Amazon for like a hundred bucks, but you can order from her for about 25. Oh, nice. Okay, cool. It's a great, easy read. You may look at it and think this is dated. It's really not. No, the, the principles she teaches there are still solid. That's awesome. Okay. Um, okay. In my book, The Practice Rx, I focus a lot on team culture and team performance as the foundation for business growth. No one will convince me that those four areas of the core are not the things that will solidify your business out here with the businesses. 
just happens to be the modality of orthodontics or dentistry that I focus right. on. Right. So what do you see as the biggest challenge that private practice owners are facing when it comes to their teams and their office culture? Frankly, themselves. Oh. Because culture is a direct reflection of the primary owner or owners. Yeah. Especially in a small business, culture is a direct reflection of them. If they want to improve the culture, they've got to spend time improving themselves. That's why it's one of the almost of almost delegate almost everything. That's correct. As you, you have and, to, and I could give you plenty of examples of that. I know you could too, but that's the deal. Yep. Right there. So true. So one of the things we want to make sure is that people have a way to reach out to you. So what's the best way for people to connect with you? Best way is just text me, honestly. Oh, okay. okay. Um, problem is email. Sometimes it jumps into a, a junk folder. Mm -hmm. All right. But if they just text me at 208-520-6900, I will reply. That's awesome. I've right. never had anybody give out their personal text number, phone number. So that's amazing. You guys, that just shows the dedication to personalization around your practice and what you want. So even if it's just for a, a question or a inquiry, yeah. it's, it's just a matter even, of getting even, more information. Even if somebody wants to say, listen, you really ticked me off about this DSO thing. Okay. You're full of it. Great. Exactly. Bring it on. Yeah. <laughs> you can handle it. That's Show awesome. me where I'm wrong. I'd love to be proved wrong. Right. That's true. That's, that's actually a good point. Okay. What's the best advice that you have ever received in life or in business? Marry that girl. <laughs> that is awesome. Yeah. Uh, okay. It's true, right? You marry right. You, you're so much happier if you marry right. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Who, who gave you that advice? It was my father. Your dad? Yeah. That's awesome. That's good that he could see it. Could you not see it? Or were you thinking no, about I, it? I, and could, I could see it. But, you know, when you're 22 years old, you're just starting college. Yeah. Thinking, man, how can I pull this off? Yeah. All right. Yeah. And, yeah, she, she, she was with me all the way through undergrad and graduate school. We had four kids by the time I graduated with my MBA. Wow. And, you know, it all worked out. It all works out. It does, yeah. So it builds the muscle. Mm -hmm. All right. And last question. What's the best resource or tool every private practice owner should be using to grow their practice? The best resource or tool, frankly, would be a consultant. Yeah, right? All right. On honestly, and here's why. And I, I don't mean this to try to feed me. I mean, you know, frankly, in I've, general. Got, I've got more business than I need. Okay. Got it. You know, I'm always looking for great clients. I feel so blessed now that I can actually pick who I get to work with. Wonderful. All right. But you, you, when you're in this game long enough, you can see there's a stratification that takes place among the top tier and the bottom tier. And just like in professional sports or golf or anything else, the top all have coaches, period. Yep. You cannot make it without it yep. because we've all got blind sides. We all get lazy. And at times we all need somebody to help us either reboot, restart, or say, you know what? You're awesome. And that's, that to me is the number one criteria. If somebody wants to make it happen, find that coach they fit with and then engage. It's going to be, it, 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 there's a fee. All right. It, it's not free. I wish it was. It's not. But at the same time for the right relationship, in the right way, the return on investment is enormous. That's right. And you yeah. pay attention to that, which you pay for. And, you and it, it's, it's, it's just yeah. fundamental. It's fundamental. Yeah.
Yeah. I believe I, I often say to my clients, I promise you the fee you pay will be the easiest part of this whole process. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No matter how much it is, because it's about you doing the work. It's about knowing that you have someone there who's got your back to help yeah. you get to that next level. So, so yeah. true. Bob, it has been a pleasure and a joy to have this conversation with you. And I know that there are people who have either pulled over on the side of the road or rewound once they got to work or off the treadmill to listen to and write down some of these, uh, these nuggets that you've given. And it's so important and uh, crucial, crucial to the success of the practice. So thank you so much for spending the time with us. You're welcome, Dino. Thank you. Let's do it again. Absolutely. Uh, everyone who's listening, I know you had to have gotten some great nuggets about it. And again, even if it pushed a few of your comfort buttons about our conversation around DSOs and corporations, we, we only do this to help bring you the best practices possible to infuse into your, into your company and to make you a better leader and help your team be better both inside and outside their practice. And as always, you know that here at the ProPreneur Podcast, our goal is to help you be more proactive, productive and profitable in all areas of your life and business. So until next time, please make sure you share this podcast with a friend or a colleague. Let us know how you feel about the, call, the podcast by reaching out to us at info at dinawatt.com and we'd be happy to answer any of your questions. Thank you so much again, everybody, for listening. We will see you on the next podcast. Thanks so much again for listening to the ProPreneur Podcast. We really appreciate your support. If you haven't subscribed already, please make sure you do so. Also, if you feel like you might be a good fit for our podcast as a guest or know somebody who you think would be, go ahead and email us at dino at dinowatt.com. Again, thanks for support. We'll see you on the next episode.